0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: Remember, church, remember, okay, John chapter 14. Remember last week, guys, we're in the upper room, okay, we're with the disciples. Supper had ended, you go, amen. The foot washing was done, and Jesus tells his disciples, right? He drops this on them, which blows our mind. He says, one of you is going to betray me, right? There's, only, there's, there's Jesus in the 12, and he says, one of you is going to betray me, okay? And so what happens is all of a sudden, that just even made the vibe in the room even that much more, right? The Bible says that they were perplexed. They were perplexed, right? That's what that's what it says. They're like, are you kidding me? Matthew says that they were exceedingly sorrow. They weren't just sorrowful. they were. Exceed- I would even bet some of them had some tears coming down. Like, are you serious? Lord, we've been, we've gave up everything to follow you. And now you're saying one of us is going to betray you. And of course, we know that Mark says, oh, is it I? Is it I? I mean, is it, Lord, could it be me? And I know we can relate to that because when it comes to denying or even betraying the Lord, we could easily do that at times in our lives. Lord, I'm following. Okay, I'm And so he's going, is it I? And we know that Matthew tells us that Judas turned and asked the Lord, right? He says, hey, is it me? And the Lord Jesus says, yes, it is you. And at that point, we know that Satan entered Judas He got up at that point, and he left the upper room. The vibe is heavy. Jesus knows at this point, guys, that he has just a short amount of time. And so now he says, I've got to pour into them. I've got to pour into my disciples moving forward. And so last week, we covered one of the greatest commandments, guys, one of the greatest commandments that we could ever learn, and it's one of the commandments that we often have a hard time doing. You know, what's that? Well, the commandment Jesus said was to love one another. To love one another. Look at verse 34 and 35 of chapter 13. Jesus is speaking. And he says, a new commandment I give to you. What's that, Lord? That you love one another as I have loved you. You should also, or you also should love one another. This is a new commandment. This is absolutely a new commandment. This is a fresh commandment. This is absolutely a fresh commandment. He says that you should love one another. Then he goes on to say, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, if you recall, guys, the true mark of being a disciple of Jesus is that we love people you go, amen, okay, Ben, I got this. No, 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 listen to me. He's not addressing the public crowd. He's not going, hey, y'all, just love people. That'd be awesome. Thumbs up, I'm out. He's not saying that. He's talking to his disciples and he says, a true mark of a disciple, one who is disciplined in following Jesus is that you love your brothers and others. You love your brothers and sisters. And That's what he's saying right here, right? And we learn what this looks like practically in our lives. You go, how so? Well, if we're going to love others, we're going to love our brothers. What does that look like? Well, the first thing we learn from Jesus is that we should be servants. We should be servants. We should be serving those in the body of Christ. That should be our heart. Our heart should be, here I am, Lord, I'll just serve. What do you need? What do you need? I'm just going to serve right? That's how we can say I love you to those in the body of Christ is simply by having a heart that wants to serve. We got to be careful with servanthood though, right church? We got to be careful because sometimes when we serve, we want to serve so that others recognize us. Oh, I want the pat on the back. I want people to say thank you. And 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 our attitude has to be, I want to serve because I love Jesus. And if I love Jesus, I'm going to love y'all. You go, amen, serving. What, what does that mean to me? Search your heart. Where can I serve? Where can I serve? What do you need? What do you need? I just want to serve. I just want to serve Jesus. Another way that we love people, according to Jesus and his example, is that we purpose to forgive people. We purpose to forgive. It's so important, Okay. Now, I know forgiveness is a hard topic, when, especially when something has been done to you without beyond your control, and you go, now I'm supposed to forgive this guy for what he did. We need a purpose to forgive. Our heart has to say, okay, I want to forgive. Lord, I want to love like you, and I know that unforgiveness keeps me trapped in the bondage of my own heart, so I want a purpose to forgive so that I can love people. Purpose. I'm going to purpose. Lord, help me with this. I I can't do it on my own but I'm going to purpose to forgive. He taught us that by what? By washing the feet of his disciples. Then we see that he said, okay, now here's the command. You guys need to love one another. You need to love our brothers and others. We need to love our brothers and sisters, right? Now you go, that's cool. I can do that. It's super easy to love those in the body of Christ. It really is. Geo comes in, that's my bro, I love him, he loves me, we high-five, it doesn't matter. That's You guys see the point, it's easy. Kevin comes in, boom, boom, I love Kevin, Kevin's my bro. In the body of Christ, you go, that's easy, Pastor, that's easy, I love, we all have the same mindset, we all have, I mean, we're not perfect, but I know, boom, I love him. The problem is, guys, is that we can love our brothers, but Jesus tells us to love others. You go, who's that? Those that are super hard to love. Anybody anybody have that? Super hard to love? You go, mm-hmm. Those are, the person you're thinking about right now, the one you go, oh, 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 right? That's the one that you, that, that's the one Jesus says to love. And you're like, okay, I, I can do that. I can do that. As long as he he's on his side of the fence and me on mine, I can love him. I'll love him from afar. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus actually says, but I'm gonna take it a step further. See, you're supposed to love your brothers. Can I get an amen? And you're supposed to love others. Okay, Lord, I'm not sure if I'll amen that, but I'll, okay. But he, he tells us more. Guys, jot this down. Matthew chapter five, verse 43 and 44, he says, Jesus is speaking, you have heard it said, right? You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's how we grew up. You love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says, but I say to you, what Lord? He says, you need to love your enemies. Say, what? You need to love your enemies. You need to bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, listen. I'm all down with loving my brothers. And that's all. That's cool. I can do that. Let's go have some coffee. Let's have a, let's have a cappuccino. Let's just have a great time. I'll even go out to try to love those who are unlovable. Now, Lord, you want me to love my enemies? Lord, I can't do this. The Lord says it's a supernatural love that I put in you. Our purpose to love your enemies. Lord, Lord you want me to love my enemies? Lord, I, I, I hate my enemies, man. I hate it. But with you, I'm, you want me to love them? You want me to bless those who curse me? You know what I want to do with people who curse me? I am going to pop them in the nose. I want to give them a throat punch. <clears> throat> I'm a karate chop, right? I mean, that's what we want. And the Lord's like, no, 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 listen. Because because this, listen, here's what you've heard it said. I say to you, love, love them, bless them, do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Now you go, now that one I can do. I can pray for those. Because I'll tell I'll pray like David Lord, knock their teeth out. That's the prayer I'm praying. Pray, pray, Lord, you see my enemy. He said, I hope they trip today. I hope they fall. I hope they get a bloody nut. I mean, we pray like that, but that's not what he means. He's saying pray. He's saying pray blessings upon them. Love them. It's easy to love those. Now, now listen, I know you're looking at me like, oh, man, are you kidding me? Now, now, again, again, you've heard it said, right? Love one another. Love our brothers and our sisters, those who are super hard to love. And he says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. But I want to, Lord. I have Your Holy Spirit. Okay, Lord. Supernaturally, I want to do that. So, so, like, what does that mean, Jesus? Does that mean like like those that that, that are my enemies? Like I can buy a coke every once in a while. I mean, maybe maybe you know a bag of chips. I mean, what what do I what do I need to do? Here's what you guys need to know. Here's what you need to know. I want to show you something in our text, okay? Look at the text. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. You go, Ben, I got that. Well, what you don't remember from last week, guys, is that the word love is in the verb tense. It's in its present infinitive, and here's what it means. It means constantly, repeatedly, process, or habit. That's what it means. Listen, Jesus is teaching that we should constantly or repeatedly, habitually love each other. This is something that we should do all the time. It's not a one-time, hey, listen, okay, go ahead, you're my enemy, I'll let you cut first. He says, listen, people are going to know, people are going to know the love as my disciple, because you will continually and habitually and constantly love each other, guys. Right? It's repeated. It's repeated. And so at this point in our Bible study, we got to take a step back. And we have to take a step back and go, okay, what does that look like in my life? Okay, I know that he tells me the command, I need to love others, okay? And we need to love others habitually. We need to love others continually, and then we need to love even our enemies this way. This way. Here's my point. You ready? Jesus tells us by this, by this habitual love toward our brothers and sisters, by this habit, this constant, he says, all will know you're my disciples. People are going to look at your life and go, man, there's something different about you. There's something different. I was ugly towards you. I was mean towards you. And you just loved on me, man. That tripped me out. I was blown away. I was like, why would you do that? Well, it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. So he gives us a new command last week. Well, today, guys, we continue in our private teaching from the Lord Jesus, Now, here's what you need to remember, okay? The one thing we need to remember is in the original language, there were not chapter breaks like we see, okay? That was later put on. Now... There are some natural chapter breaks in the Bible, right? The thought has come to an end, and then you go on to another chapter. Unfortunately, chapter 14 is not a natural chapter break, okay? Jesus is still teaching. They put that in there so we have a place to turn to. When I say, hey, turn in your Bibles to chapter 14, you know exactly where to go. But it's not a natural chapter break, okay? So the thought is still going from exactly what was happening. And you go, well, like what? Well, remember, right, it, it it really continues the teaching of Jesus in the upper room right after Judas has left. Remember what happened after Judas left? Satan entered Judas. He walks out the door, and Pete, right, you got to love Pete, Pete tells the Lord, Lord, I'll die for you. I promise. Lord, I'm going to, you know what, Lord, I don't know what these fellas are doing, but and I think Pete missed the whole teaching about love because he's thinking, where are you going to go? I, I want to go with you. And then he misses all that completely. And then he comes back. He says, Lord, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to die for you. And Jesus, oh do you just love our Jesus? He smiles at Pete. And, and look what he says. He says, Pete, you'll lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say, Pete, the rooster shall not crow until you've denied me three times. What Jesus is telling Peter, he says, Pete, I love your heart, man. And I love that you're willing to lay down your life for me. But I got to be honest with you, Pete, that's not how salvation works. He says, you don't need to lay down your life for me. I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. You see, oftentimes we're like Pete. We're, we're we're just anxious, and we love the Lord. And we, Lord, I'll I'll lay down my life. And we think that times that sometimes we lay down our lives as the works of I'm going to work for salvation. I'm going to lay down, Lord. I just sacrificed my life for you. My whole life, I should get heaven. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. Listen, it's not about you laying down your life for me. I'm going to lay down my life for you. That's how salvation works. Because Pete, listen, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Right. And I was just like, Pete, 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 listen, here's, here, here's, let, me, let me paint your life, Pete. Here's, here's what the Lord's saying. He said, Pete, you know what? You're going to get scared. You're going to get scared in life. They're going to drag me away. If you go to Israel today, guys, there's some stairs that go up that's probably about 17 feet high as you go through. And those are the stairs. They probably dragged Jesus up as they were taking him to uh, Caiaphas' house. I mean, just straight on up. And he says, Pete, you're going to get scared. He said, Pete, you're going to worry. You know, it's one thing to be in the upper room and say, Lord, I'll die for you. It's one thing to be in, the, in Caesarea Philippi and say, Lord, I'll die for you. It's a whole other thing when the Roman army is around you and you know what they're going to do. Pete, you're going to be worried. Pete, you're going to be stressed. By the time this whole thing's over, you're going to be just stressed. You're going to be agitated. You're going to be worried. You're going to have anxiety. And Pete listen to me bro you're going to you're going to have denied me at least 3 times How would you feel if you were Peter at this point The Lord Jesus just looked at you and said Pete I love you but you're going to deny me 3 times and you're going no I won't I promise Lord Pinky swear honest we're not I'm not going to deny you and I think man but but he is isn't he And and don't you love this guys you go, love Peter tonight? No, no, no. Here's what I love. Guys, look at, look at it. Let's, let's extract this for just a minute. Here's what it is. Listen, Jesus knows we're going to fail him. Jesus knows we're going to deny him at times. Jesus knows we're going to blow it big time. And yet, my Jesus, he doesn't cast me out. He doesn't throw me away. He doesn't stop talking to me. Don't you just love that, guys? Man, I, I, I'm just thinking, Pete, man, what, that would have devastated him. And, I, and, and, here's, and here's how, if we would have wrote this, we would have wrote it a little bit different, don't you think? You know, if he's like, I'll die for you, Lord, and I was Jesus, I'd be like, really, Pete? Just leave it, Judas, because you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. You're going to blow it, and you're going to blow your testimony, and nobody's going to even... No, just go. Just go. I'll find somebody else. That's how we would write it, but not Jesus. Why? Because Jesus knows who we are. He knows who we are. He knows that we're going to blow it big time. He knows that we're going to deny him. Don't we do that now, church? Don't we deny him now at times? And he says, I know you're going to do this, and he knows me at my very worst, Yet he still loves me. Yet he still loves me. Guys, think about this. Think about this. Think about y'all who have been in here and you've been married for a long, long time. Your husband or your wife knows you at your worst and they still love you. Jesus knows your thoughts. He knows the intent of your heart. He knows your attitude. He knows all about this and yet he still loves you. Does that not deserve an amen? amen? And Jesus not only loves us, but he's willing to restore us, guys. He's willing to say, I understand, you're going to blow it, but I've got you, buddy. I've got you. And he's, and he's often anxious to talk with me. Can, can we agree, church, that we serve a God who knows our very, very worst and loves us anyway? Can we just can we just agree? We're like, Amen. He knows the wickedness of our hearts, guys, and he offers us grace and mercy. That's what he does. You can see it all the scripture. You can see that. And not only does he offer us grace, right? He just says, he just looks at Pete and says, Pete, listen, bud, listen, I pray you won't, but... in." By the time the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Pete's probably going, no, I won't, Lord. No, I won't. I, I promise, Lord, I'll die for you. And he goes, no, no, but, but, but let me tell you why. Let's, let's talk about heaven for a little bit, okay? And then next week, I'm going to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. Not only do I want to offer you grace and mercy, but I want to offer you encouragement. See, this morning, we're going to take a little bit look at heaven, a little bit look at heaven, and that's what Jesus is going to do. So look at chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus now turns to his disciples and he teaches, notice verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Can we agree that sometimes we're going, what does that mean exactly? Jesus is saying, well, at first glance, we look at it and we go, Ah, okay. Let not your heart be troubled, Lord. Okay, amen. And we kind of just read on over it. But guys, this is power packed. Guys, with a loving heart and a loving look, Jesus tells the disciples and you, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Then you go, pastor, help me. What does this mean? Okay, let me set the stage. I want you to feel the weight of the text, okay? You go, what's that? Right before, okay, before, before supper, guess what was happening? the disciples were arguing with each other who would be the greatest in the kingdom, okay? So they're walking around and they're going, Santos, I don't know about you, but I'm the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus is gonna have me. I don't know where you're gonna sit. You're okay, but but Jesus and Santos are like, no, I'm the greatest in the And they're arguing as they're walking to this Last Supper. Okay, so that's the vibe. There, there's pride involved, and they're going. I'm, I think I'm Well, I think I'm a little bit better than you. I don't know what you did. You really haven't done anything. I mean, when it comes to the Bible, your name's not really written a whole lot, but mine, I was going to be written. And they're arguing this stuff, right? That's what's going on. Jesus looks at him, and he calls them out. He says, "Hey guys, what are you talking about? Nothing." Right? They know. I mean, they, they're just like, they stop talking. Why? Because they know that it was pride that was driving that conversation. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And in order to teach them a lesson, Jesus does something that blows their mind. You go, what's that? Jesus gets up when supper was ended. He ties a towel and he begins to wash the feet of all 12 guys. Now you go, Ben, why do you mention 12 guys? Because I love the fact that Jesus still washes his Judas feet. Even though he's about to betray him, Jesus is speaking volumes when he tells them, "Listen, even though before you sin, I forgive you and I love you." He washes the feet now you go now why why would that put a heavy vibe on the whole scene? Why would that do that why why would it I mean why would this cause stress among the guys Here's why guys, because they had been with Jesus for three. Plus years, and they knew that he came to serve, not to be served. they knew that, and they're thinking to themselves, "Listen, we should be the ones washing feet, not Jesus. We should be taking that example. How come we didn't do that? God I came in and i just I just sat down and I began to eat, and I feel bad. look at my my i mean that's what it is that's what it is. If you've ever had your boss come in your job and do your job for you, for something you know you should be doing, that's how you feel. You're like, I know I should, I should have been doing that. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What? And so now they're, they're just like, they're stressed out about it, right? Jesus is doing that. And then, if that's not enough, Jesus drops a truth bomb on them. You go, what did he say? In verse 21, Jesus said that his, his spirit was troubled, and he testified, and he said, quote, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. So so, so there's pride, right, being knocked down. There's Jesus serving, and they're going, that's that's Jesus. That's, that's the son of the living God. And then he goes, and by the way, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. Well, you can imagine, guys, that all the room, every one of us in the room is first and foremost, the Greek word is agitated. That's the word troubled. It's agitated. Another word is stressed. We know that we're sorrowful, so there's probably some tears coming down and we're perplexed. We're wondering what is going on. Remember, guys, remember that Jesus was, was telling us that he was about to leave us, that he was going to go die on the cross. And we're going, whoa, 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 time out, Lord. We gave up three years of our lives to follow you. I thought you had this whole kingdom thing in hand. What do you mean you're going to die? What do we do now? And so the stress and the agitation, all of that is on the room. At this point, I want you to think about this. They're probably thinking their whole world is about to crumble. And Jesus, well, he's taking the role of a slave. I mean, he's lost it. Judas, where did he go? Is he even part of the 12? Peter, they just told Peter that he was going to deny him. And many others in that room were probably going, we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea what's going on. And we feel the weight of this, guys, because here's what happens. The weight of what the disciples are feeling is the weight of what we feel in our lives too. You go, what do you mean? I think, guys, I think, I think a lot of times in our lives, in our walks, we feel perplexed. We're wondering what the next step of our life is. What should we be doing? Lord, I'm not sure. Am I supposed to go here? Am I supposed to go there? What am I supposed to do? Lord, I don't understand. I think in our lives, guys, there's stress in our lives. Wouldn't you agree? There's there's some there's some there's some stress and 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 bills that come in unexpectedly cause stress and 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 the medical field says, hey, this is what you have. That causes stress and, and so we're walking and some of it is is sorrowful stress and maybe some of us are are nervous what the future holds or really what our life looks like. I think a lot of us are stressed out because of ideals. Anybody with me on that? Ideally, I should not be here. I should have been here. I don't understand. And we cry out to God in a stressful, sorrowful, tearful way, crying out, God, I don't get it. Please help, help. And and we feel this way in life, just like the disciples did. And what Jesus does to the disciples, he does the same thing to you and I. What does he do? He lovingly reminds them, this. He says, don't be stressed out. In other words, he says, stop it. Quit being agitated. Okay. A a stress mark of the Holy Spirit, guys, is found in the word your, let not your. So not only is he's not just speaking in general. He's like, hey, I hope the whole world is not stressed. He's looking. He said, hey, Kevin, I hope I don't be stressed out. No, let not your Lori, let not your heart be troubled, right? Laura, let not your heart. You guys see that? Josh, Johnny, let not your... It's very personal. And so he's saying, let not your heart be troubled. Now, here's what you want to write down, guys. If you're taking notes, this is not a command form. The verb structure is in the present tense, Going on right now, it's an imperative, but it's a negative. You go, what do you mean? Well, in the passive voice, here's what he's saying. You ready? Stop doing this. That's what he means. Stop doing this. Go on refusing to do this. In other words, he looks at the gang and he says, fellas, fellas, stop stressing out. Stop stressing out. Here's why. Because you believe in God. Believe also in me. That's great application for us. Why? Because in this world, guys, we're going to have many trials and many tribulations. Would you agree? In this world. Now, sometimes people try to paint the world as rainbows and butterflies, and we know different. It's hard out there. There's unexpected bills, there's unexpected illnesses, there's unexpected job losses, there's unexpected divorces, there's unexpected, all of this stuff, and there's trials and tribulations in our lives. We get that, Lord. But Jesus says, hey, listen, here's the same application. He says, don't stress out. Don't stress out about this. Don't worry. Don't be nervous. Don't be anxious. And we would go, why, Lord? You don't understand. Why? No, he goes, no, I do understand. Here's why. You ready? This is why I won't, you, you shouldn't stress out, because of who you know. Because of who you know. Jesus says, you believe in God? Why would he tell that to his disciples? Because they believed in God. Most of the disciples understood the Old Testament. They knew who God was from the Old Testament, from the writings of the ancient scriptures. They know who God was. He goes, you believe in God? They go, yes, we believe in God. He says, believe also in me. You go, what does that word mean? What does it really mean? You ready? To believe in God. You guys know this, but it means to have confidence in to trust, to have reliability in assurance. And so the question that you've got to ask yourself is, Pastor, I'm stressed out in my life. You don't understand. I've got my job. I've got all this, this, is. I said, then I would stop back. I said, do you trust in Jesus? Do you have reliability in him? Do you have confidence in him? That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, don't stress. Don't stress because you know me. You can put your confidence, you can take it to the bank, right? We don't have to stress because we know Jesus. That's a good place for an amen. And for future reference, guys, he says, now, we're going to get to it a little bit later, but in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this, "'These things I have spoken to you, okay, that in me you may have peace.'" What's the opposite of stress? Peace. So what does he say? He says that in me, guys, you will have peace. And then he goes on to say, in the world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's just pure application for us here, guys. What's that? Has that meant in this world we have tribulation? But what does he say? He says, listen, I've given you all of this instruction today so that you can have peace you don't have to stress out. You don't have to stress out. And the Lord actually expanding on this truth in relation to his return, okay? Why would he say that? Because remember, he's telling the guys, guys, I'm going, I'm going away. I'm going to be crucified. They're going to they're kill me. Don't stress out. Don't stress out. You believe in God, believe also in me. And, and he tells them a little bit later on, he says in chapter 16, verse 22, he says, therefore, he says, you now have sorrow. I understand. Don't you just love that about God? He understands exactly what you're going through. There are times when you go, God, don't you understand? He goes, exactly. I know that you're sorrowful, he says. He says, but I'll see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. He says, right now you're going to see me. You're going you're to freak out. You're going to have sorrow. He says, but when you see me again, you're going to go, oh, in three days when I resurrect, your heart's going to be full, and nobody's going to take that joy away from you. That's the same thing for us, guys. Right now, you might be stressed out. I have no idea what your stress might be. I have no idea what your heart is troubled about. I don't know, but I know this. Keep your eyes on Jesus because you know him and you know that one day your joy is going to be made complete when you see him face to face. That's what it's about. That's what Christianity is about. That's what he's saying right here. And he says, and if that's not enough, if you're going, pastor, that's not enough. He says, can I offer you some more comfort? Not only it's it's who you know, but where are you going to go? Look at verse 2. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If or were not so, I would have told you. Thank you, Lord. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. What's Jesus talking about, right? What's he talking about right here? Jesus now says, don't stress out because of who you know and where you're going to go. Where am I going to go, Lord? He's talking about heaven. He's talking about heaven. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. Who's heard that before? Many mansions. Who's heard that, right? Don't we have a beautiful picture of when I get to heaven, I'm going to be driving up on streets of gold. I'm going to go, hey, that's my mansion right there. It's got a manicured lawn and it's a mansion. Well, we equate with the mansion that they actually translated in the Bible to mansions that we see here that we can't afford. Maybe some of you can afford them. I can't, but we're talking about mansions, right? Right. Let me set the record straight. Unfortunately, if you're hoping that to have a mansion in heaven, the actual Greek word means dwelling place, it means room. In my father's house are rooms, apartments, if you will. What? I like mansions better. Me too, but that's not what the word means, right? And I'm like, no, Lord, I don't want to tell him that. He says, no, it means rooms. Sorry, 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 if you thought you were going to get a mansion with a manicured lawn, but you are going to get a room. Now, here's the thing, right? I don't know what that looks like. I mean, it's going to be amazing, but I do know this. I know that it's a room with plenty of place for all of us. Pastor, I have a question. Do I have a roommate? I don't know, but you'll have a room, okay? Okay? Because, like, I don't mind living with my wife down here, but when I get to heaven, I want to just be me. I don't know if that says that, okay? Don't be looking at your husband or your wife and saying, are you thinking that? I'm just saying. Anyway, I better get off this subject here. Jesus says, listen, in my Father's house in heaven, oh, it's going to be amazing. He says, I'm going to go prepare. I'm going to prepare. And the word prepare there is like, this is an absolute fact. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And if I go, guess what he says, if I go, I will come again. Guys, look at that verse, okay? Okay. Look at it. It's verse three. And you can write next to that somewhere just for your notes. This is a strong reference to the rapture of the church. This is a strong reference. He's actually telling them. Why? He says, He says this, I will come again to receive you. Do you guys see the word receive there? Okay. At the end of verse three, I will come and receive you. I love that word because in the original it means to take into fellowship. Don't, isn't that awesome? He says, oh, by the way, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You guys cool with that? No, we're stressed out. Lord, we've giving you three. No, you believe in God, believe also in me. It's cool. It's cool. And in my Father's house are many mansions, and I'm going to go. And when I'm going to come back, I'm going to receive you. And that means I'm going to have this great fellowship with you, this koinonia. That's what he's saying, right? Strong reference to the rapture. Well, we know that Paul teaches us in 1 Thessalonians about the rapture. Okay, jot this down. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 18, Paul writes, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. What's gonna happen, Ben? The dead in Christ will rise first, hallelujah. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, because of all this, comfort one another with these words. Guys, guess one day, one day, guess what's going to happen? We're going to have fellowship with God. He's going to come back and he's going to go, he's going to go. Sister Melissa, come on, we got some fellowship to do. And you're like, amen. Amen, this is awesome. We're going to have this coin in here. We're going to have this great, he's going to, I'm going to receive you to myself. But those, listen to me, here's the comforting word. Those who have died in Christ are going to go first. They're, they're already there before us. They're up there. All those that that are loved ones, guys, that have died in Christ, they're there. Well, guess what happens? Well, now Thomas. Thomas chimes in. You guys remember who Thomas is? How do you know Thomas? Daddy. Right. Poor guy, right? What a... Man, he's, what a stigma, right? All his ladies in heaven going, do I always have to doubt? Man, I, I did it one time. <laughs> Who wrote that? Who wrote that down? Just, anyway, Thomas chimes in right here, right? He asked the question, but, but I love Thomas's heart. Why? Because he asked the question. He's honest and transparent. I love that. Why? We give him a hard time, but I bet every one of the disciples were thinking it. Thomas only had the guts to ask it. What did he ask? Verse five. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Don't you love Thomas? Thomas raises his hand. He's like, "Um <laughs> I don't know where you're going." Here's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't scold us when we ask him stuff. He doesn't be like, "Seriously? Are you serious?" Notice how he responds. And Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But from now on, you know him and you have seen him. Don't you just love that answer? Right? How would you have answered that, church? You'd have been like, what do you mean you don't know the way? I've been (laughs) three years... (laughs) I can't ask Pete. Pete's just nuts. John keeps his head leaning. He keeps leaning on me. John, hold on a second. No, no, no. He loves us so much, guys. He loves us. And he says this. These are some very key words. You ready? This is key words for our life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Here's what you need to understand. Jesus does not simply claim to teach or claim to know the way or point to the way. He doesn't go, hey, I know where it is. Hey, this is... What is he saying? Listen to me. Listen, this is this is heavy. This is what you've got to take home with you. Jesus says, "I am the way." In other words, he is the answer to all human problems. He is the answer. If you are stressed out today, he is the answer. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, "Hey, listen, I can I can point you to the answer." We can only do that, right? Why are you stressed out? Let me point you to the Word of God. What Jesus just claimed right here, he said, I am the answer to all of your problems. I am the answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. What does that mean, church? Well, let me just say this. He wipes away, right here with this statement, any other way to try to get to heaven. You guys remember before you got saved, you thought of ways that you could get to heaven, right? Whether it was good works, uh, being religious, you thought, maybe being spiritual, maybe that'll get me to heaven. Maybe it was costly gifts. Lord, if I if I do this, and Jesus right here just wipes that all away. He says, no, 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 no. Listen, no one comes to the Father. In context, what's he talking about, guys? Heaven. In context, Right? And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me, except through me. There is only one way, and that way is Jesus Christ. Make no mistakes about it. You'll say, you'll have people tell you, all roads lead to heaven. No, no, it's one road. Well, that's pretty narrow-minded. Guilty is charged. It's, this is the road. This is it. It's one way. Jesus said, guys, Jesus said, no one goes to the Father except through me. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us actually it's it's Paul in 1st Timothy as he's writing to Timothy, he says for there is one God, right? And one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. It's right there. Dr. Luke in writing Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says there's no there's there no salvation under or salvation in any other For there is no other name under heaven given among by men, which we must be saved. Only Jesus Christ. Thomas, you want to know the way? Let me tell you the way. It's by me. Well, guess what? At this point, Philip chimes in. Okay? Thomas is like, okay, I didn't know where we're going. I get it, Lord. Philip chimes in. Look at verse 8. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us right? I see Sister Lori shaking her head. It's exactly right, right? At first glance, we we think maybe this is just a question being asked. But if you circle that word for show, I want you to circle that in your Bible, highlight it, okay? You go, what does that mean? Okay, it's the Greek verb, but it's in a command form, which blew my mind. You go, what does that mean? In other words, Philip is commanding Jesus to show him the Father, He's not just asking. You go, what do you mean? The word show there's. it's like, make this happen. Do it now. Could you imagine doing that to Jesus? Jesus, show us the Father. What? And it's sufficient for us. (laughs) You're talking about Thomas, Philip, dude, seriously? Here's what he's saying. It's the command form. Lord, show us the Father and what? And he says, that's all we need. I like Philip. Why? Because there are times I'm a lot like Philip. I command God to do stuff that I have no I, no, 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 standing I on. Should, I should be able to command him to do any. Don't we do that? Lord, you should do this. I'm telling you, this is how it should go down. Lord, why can't you just make this happen? That's what he's doing. And here we're, we're admonishing Philip, and yet we do the same things at times. Lord, show us the Father, and that's all we need. That's all we need. Now, before we get down on Philip, okay, we need to remember that he wasn't there at the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? He wasn't there, so he's, he's still just trying to figure all this out. But, I, but let's see let's see Jesus' response to Philip, okay? I love even when we come demanding things from God. Anybody do that? He's so gracious, don't you think? Notice what he says. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you just love that? Don't you just love, Pete, or Philip, Why don't come demanding. He says, you've walked with me for three years. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Church, listen, if you want to know who God is, study Jesus. If you want to know everything about the God that loves you and created you, study Jesus. That's exactly what he's saying. And then in verse 10, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Now, he says something very critical. Look at verse 11. He says, Believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, okay? Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. You've seen me do works. You've seen me do miracles. Just believe. You go, well, what does the word believe mean? Well, you guys know this. This is the same word that John implies over and over and over. It's the Greek word pisteio, and it means to have faith in and respect to the person, to entrust persuaded to have reliance upon Christ for salvation, to be convinced with confidence. That's what he's saying. He's saying, okay, now listen, listen. I and the Father are one. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to put your faith in me. Put your faith in me that I and the Father are one. And if you can't do that just yet, believe in, believe in me for the sake of the works. I draw your attention to the water turned into wine. I draw your attention to those that were that were sick and healed. I draw your attention to Lazarus, who was dead. For how many days? Four days, right? If you can't believe in me for me, look at the works, because I and the Father are one, are one. Guys, let's close. Let's close our study. Um... Let's read 12 through 14. We're going to come back next week, and, and we'll do an M death on these three verses. But Jesus says, most assuredly, now his thought changes a little bit. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. So he's going to be speaking to us. And the greater works in these, he will do because I go to the Father. How, how are we going to do greater works? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Okay. And where and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's where we have to be careful because people will take that verse out of context and go, okay, whatever you ask in Jesus' name, he has to do. And it's like, no, contextually, what's he gonna talk about? He's been talking about heaven, and now he's gonna say, now listen, because I'm going to the Father, I, want you to be, I don't want you guys to stress out, I'm going to the Father, and I'm gonna send you a helper. And help her to do the same works that I'm going to that I've been doing, and that is the Holy Spirit, right? So, we'll tackle that more in depth next week. Here's the application, here's what we need to take away today, right? Number one the greatest command for us guys is to love each other, and that's so important. We need to love each other when we're at our best and we need to love each other when we're at our worst. We need to love our brothers and we need to love others and we need to learn to love our enemies like Jesus said. Now, I can't do that. I got to be honest with you. But I know God in me can. And I have to walk in that, in the power of the Holy Spirit to love my enemies, to pray for those who persecute me, to bless those and I need you, Lord. I can't do that on my own. Help me to love like you love, you know one of our core values here is what loving people back to life, well, you know right? love people, loving people back to life. Why is that so important? Because there's so many people that have been hurt by a church or been hurt by something that 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 just love is going to be the only thing that 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 helps them. The second thing we need to learn guys and take away today is that is that don't stress. Don't stress. You guys know Jesus, and Jesus has got your back, and he loves you, and he's got a plan for you. Don't stress. Put your faith in Jesus. Don't stress. He's got it all worked out. Pastor, I've got a question, though. I'm stressed because I pray, and I don't feel like he's answering my prayer, and I don't know what's going on. Trust that he's even working behind the scenes. Don't stress because at the end of the day, your destination is heaven. And he's already prepared a place. For 2,000 years, he's been preparing a place for you. And it's not just, hey, it's for you. And you might, you might be here as an individual going, well, I really like this and I really like that. And the Lord knows that in your room or mansion or whatever you want to call it, it might, it might just be perfect for you. But that's not even the point for me. I'll tell you why. Because heaven isn't heaven unless Jesus is there. And if he goes over there and he says, I'm prepared a room, but I'm not going to be here, I say, I don't want to go. I only want to go where you are, Jesus. I only want to go where you are. Last week I had a conversation. I had a conversation with a fellow who was just asking me, sort of a, Kind of a bucket list kind of thing. Have you have you fulfilled your bucket list? You know, before you kick the bucket, have you done everything you wanted to do? And of course, it was three days before my birthday, and so I looked at him with all with all sincerity, and I said, "Yeah, I don't think there's anything that I you don't want to like jump out of a plane and land on your face. No, I don't want to jump out of plane, and none of that. Ha- I I think I'm good, and I think." as we grow older in Jesus, that our prayer should be this, guys. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. While we're here, let's work. Let's enjoy life. Let's love the moments. Let's love each other. Let's fellowship. And when Jesus comes knocking, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Why would I want to hold on to, to here when he's ready for me? He's already told me he's prepared a place. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. We're going to, guys, we're going to have, think about heaven for a minute. No more cancer. No more tears. No more worry. No more strife. No more anxiety. Perfect peace. What is that like? perfect peace, perfect love. Pastor Ben, do you have a death wish? Not in the general sense of I'm going to go out and do something dumb. But heaven isn't heaven unless Jesus is there and I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. I'll let him sort out all the details, amen? And if he says, Ben, you're going to live to 85, I say, amen, let's do this. But if he doesn't, I want to be ready. And the question is to you, are you ready? Is that where your heart yearns for? Is it long for? Pastor, there's a lot of stuff I want to do. I want to do. There's a lot of things I feel like I'm missing out on. Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then he'll add all the stuff. He'll give you the desires of your heart it'll be there. Would you agree with that? Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Lord, we want to be ready. We want to be ready. We want to be ready. We want to love you with all of our hearts. We bless your holy name, God. Thank you for Thank you for today, Lord, and just just learning, God, how we're like Philip and how we're like Thomas. And yet you love us so much, God. I see I see you just pouring out of the scriptures, just love. Even when we ask a silly question or even when we demand something of you, God, you graciously answer in love. Lord, there is none like you. And Lord, thank you for writing that down, God, so that we can learn and grow. May our lives be, Lord, just, um, may it just be transformed for tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, God. May we be chewing on this, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm gonna follow that, Lord.
0: We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227.